Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Jake Brown, and you're listening to me on The Jake Brown Show. Hey, this is Jim Duquette. You're listening to The Jake Brown Show. Coming up on The Jake Brown Show today, Matt Harvey saga continues. He's at it again. Kyle Lowry wants to go west. Why? Because no one can beat LeBron. We'll talk NBA playoffs. We'll talk NHL playoffs. Buck is here for a buck date. And former Mets and Orioles GM Jim Duquette joins us on the Jake Brown Show. All that and a whole lot more is next. Welcome to the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's Play.it podcast network is where you find us. You can subscribe, rate, and review to the show on iTunes and Spotify. We got a busy show today and a lot to get into. We have Chris Buckley here. He'll join us for a buck date later in the program. Pat Antonetti running the boards and former Mets and Orioles GM and now MLB analyst and SiriusXM Jim Duquette will join us later in the program. And I mean, I started last week talking about the Mets and Lois Syndergaard and now the other ace, quote unquote ace. I will start this week and later on we'll talk about LeBron versus the world. The awful NBA playoffs, at least in terms of we know what was going to happen, and it is happening. Kyle Lowry will talk about letting it go in a new segment and the Ray Allen Boston Celtics debacle, and a lot more we'll get into. But first, guys, I have to start with Matt Harvey because more and more things come out as the days go by. And th- this story dates back to really the second he got here. And once he hit the scene in 2012, and came in the last couple of months of the season and put out that 2.73 ERA, struck out 70 guys in 59 innings. The talk was this guy's going to be electric. The talk was this guy is going to be the star of New York City. He's going to be the ace of the New York Mets for years to come. And the electric stuff, the passion, the fire, it made Matt Harvey the dark knight. It made people come to the stadium in 2013 and really 2015 in the year they made the World Series where he went 13-8 and with a 2.71 ERA. It made people come out with masks to the stadium like he was the Dark Knight himself. And as time wore on, he's eroded away into the sand, into the water. The rocks just eroding away is Matt Harvey. And Matt Harvey wants to live the lifestyle and tries to live the lifestyle of a Starbucks Frappuccino while he pitches like a small cup of McDonald's coffee. And it's time to get a grip. Because what happened over the weekend and these last couple days is absolutely inexcusable for a guy that you thought was coming back from injury this year and looked great coming into the season. Everyone said he's healthy, he's going to be great, he's going to be back to old Matt Harvey. 
A 5-1-4 ERA to start the season is no Frappuccino. Matt Harvey's pitching on the dollar menu. Matt Harvey's shopping at TJ Maxx while trying to live a Nordstrom's lifestyle. And he wants to be this larger-than-life figure and go out and let down all of his teammates to the point where not even your manager is backing you. Not even Jose Reyes is backing you. Saying, guys, I have a huge migraine. Just remember the date, people. Remember the date. May 6th, the day after Cinco de Mayo. And everyone knew the night before he was out getting drunk and doing coke. Everyone knows that's that's what it is. That's the lifestyle of Matt Harvey. Now I'm not gonna I I can't confirm that. Allegedly. But let's let's be real about Matt Harvey. There has been rumors about him doing coke and being a big party guy. And post Cinco de Mayo migraine means he was out late Friday night. Had a headache Saturday. Then a report came out that he was golfing. Now the report came out that he was at One Oak Friday till 4 a.m. And he thinks because he makes $5 million, which is just about $3.5 to $4 million more than Noah Syndergaard, Jacob deGrom, and Steven Matz combined. And the fact that he has Adriana Lima in the bedroom when he comes home. And he's got models surrounding him. And he's got a circle. And he's got bottles of expensive top-shelf vodkas coming at his table on a Friday night. And because he's not pitching Saturday and will not appear in any shape or form, no matter if the game goes 30 or 40 innings, he thinks that's that's an excuse to not show up to the ballpark because his head hurts. He thinks that he is better than the other 24 people on the roster, than the pitching coach, than the Terry Collins, than the bench coach, third base coach. He thinks he's better than all of them. He thinks that his 31-30 career record with a 308 ERA. He thinks that his two full seasons of the major leagues. He thinks that his $5 million, which is about $25 million less than the highest paid player in the league. He thinks that he, the fact that he has won a pennant but never won World Series, that makes him better than just about everyone. Makes him better than average Joe. Makes him better than Donald Trump. Makes him President Trump. Makes him better than everyone on the face of the planet. That he doesn't need to show up to work the day before he has to throw what will likely be four innings. Six runs. Seven hits. Three strikeouts. And three walks. That's what he thinks. He thinks that he is too good for the under 500 Mets. He thinks that Cinco de Mayo means, hey, I'm going to party the night away. And guess what? It's time for a reality check. Now, sending to let's look at the answers and the solutions. Sending him to the minor leagues, what is that going to do? You want to send him to AAA? That's as toxic as, you, toxic as you can get. And a big reason I don't understand, by the way, that the Mets are in Las Vegas. But sending him to AAA, you really think sending him to Las Vegas is going to do something? Think about that for a second. Think of Matt Harvey in New York, and then think of him in Las Vegas. That means trouble. Him on a Las Vegas strip is basically like Johnny Manziel at One Oak and Johnny Manziel on the strip. It's only going to be a nightmare. What has he done to think he lives that Frappuccino lifestyle? What, what is it?
Because what you are is a, a, a two ninety nine large iced coffee. That's what you are. Maybe maybe you're there because you you had good times, and you are a good pitcher. Who is who is on your way at this point? And it's way too early to say this, but you don't want to go down the Doc and Daryl path. I'm not saying he's a drug addict or anything, but when you enter a kind of lifestyle, it's hard to change it, and it comes back and bite you. And think about it, Matt. If you go out there and keep pitching the way you do, what kind of girls are you going to bring in with a $1 million salary or a minor league contract in a couple of years? Because the Mets are coming to a point where they're going to get rid of you, and you're not going to be on the Hollywood stage anymore. I don't think the – I mean, it would be very Yankees-esque to get him. He's going to be out of New York, and he's going to be in a smaller market and be like, man, what did I – I screwed the hell up in New York. I really did. And to go from what a hero was to a guy that Mets fans are talking about cutting for nothing, I don't think he should be cut because you want to at least get something for him. I don't think he's going to get traded. I think he'll stay the rest of the year. But something has to be said. And Matt Harvey filing a grievance isn't doing anything good for him. He needs to come to the ballpark today. He needs to come to City Field today, earlier than his teammates. And as soon as they arrive, he needs to apologize to every single one of them. Because that's not what a teammate does. And you don't you think everyone you think any of those Mets players want to be oh Matt how's your weekend brother how you doing buddy how was your Cinco de Mayo you think it's gonna be all love and games and hugs and kisses no your teammates are so mad at you right now that they wouldn't even put that black dildo in your locker they wouldn't even. Have fun with you to put the dildo in your locker and laugh at your expense because they don't want to smile at you at all. How do you amend this, Matt? Say sorry to every one of them. Apologize. Don't file a grievance. Take your suspension. Take your measly three games without pay. Donate that three games of money to a charity and get your act together. Go out and show us the Matt Harvey that helped the Mets win a pennant. In 2015. Go show us the Matt Harvey. That when he would strike a guy out with a 98 mile an hour fastball. To end the 7th inning of a 1 run ball game. And get fired up. Show us that Matt Harvey. Show us the guy that cared about the game. That got to the Frappuccino lifestyle level. Show us that Matt Harvey. That's what Mets fans want to see. We want to see the Matt Harvey. That struck out 12 and 7 innings. That's the guy that Mets fans miss. And it seems like forever ago that we saw that guy. Because your 4-8-6 ERA last year, Bartolo Colon looked like a Hall of Famer against you. We haven't seen the real Matt Harvey since the pennant year in 2015. It's been two years since we've seen the Matt Harvey that we want to see. 6-12 and 12 with a 5 ERA this season last season combined. 23 total starts is is called regression. And you're going down a path you don't want to go down. And a story that I read, because he did come to Hofstra for a sports card show, charging $150 for your freaking autograph, that's more money than your wins and losses combined. 
that's more money than strikeouts you've had in the last two seasons. And that's more money than they're charting for Noah Syndergaard before he he became a prima donna as well. The New York spotlight becomes too big for people over the course of a couple of years. It's become too big for Matt Harvey. It's starting to become too big for Noah Syndergaard. And in the words of Kendrick Lamar, be humble, sit down. And that's Matt Harvey's time right now. It's time to you to humble yourself, to sit down, and go do your freaking job. Your job is to go seven strong for the New York Mets every five days and to win ball games. And what you've done is the polar opposite. You've created a distraction to you, the teammates, the organization, the fan base, your manager, and all New York and all the Mets fans. And we know Mets fans are loyal, loyal to the last out. They have a seven-line army in center field for Christ's sake. No one is more passionate than a New York Mets fan. And you could hear it in my voice. So you really have to stir us the wrong way. And that's exactly what you've done. It's it's disappointing. So go apologize and go pitch, man, because you're on your way out of New York. In October, in November, you will no longer be a New York Met. And you're not really welcome here. And when you come back, you're going to get booed the hell out of the stadium. And the only way you're not is if the rest of the way you return to the Matt Harvey we saw in 2012, 2013, and 2015. So do your job. And the only people that get away with the stuff that Matt Harvey does is a guy like Lawrence Taylor when he did in his heyday. He was one of the greatest linebackers of all time. He had plenty of issues. But he backs his game up on the field. Go back it up. Become that Frappuccino on the field and not off it. Put the model to the side and play the game of baseball. The game that is making you five million. Because that five million has quickly become five thousand a month when you're pitching for the Long Island Ducks in a couple seasons. This is the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's Played at it. iTunes and Spotify is where you find us. And at Jake Brown Radio, you can follow me and at Jake Brown Show. We'll have a buck date coming up in a little bit. And we'll have Jim Duquette coming on the program, the former Mets GM. He'll tell us what he thinks of this whole Matt Harvey debacle. Um, and we'll also have a Let It Go segment and some more. But let's transition here to the NBA playoffs. Let's transition to a larger than life figure that deserves to be a larger than life figure because he's making people change teams. He's making people bolt down town because they don't want to face him anymore. Like a Kyle Lowry. That's LeBron James. LeBron James is quickly becoming the greatest player in NBA history overnight. Everyone wants to say six rings, six rings, six rings. But right now, LeBron may not need to get there just yet to become the best. Now, let, let's be real. It's a different era. We don't have the rivalries. We don't have that competition anymore like we used to have in the 90s, whether it be Patrick Ewing, whether those Knicks-Bulls game, those rivalries, the Celtics-Lakers rivalry. I guess Celtics-Lakers we kind of look at now as Warriors-Cavs. But they're too good and too deep. 
And all LeBron needed was a deep team just with scores and guys he could throw to who could hit the three. And the only guy that can't hit a three on their team is Tristan Thompson. Darren Williams, Channing Fry, Kyle Corver, J.R. Smith, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. I mean, this team is stacked. Iman Shumpert, everyone can shoot the ball. And once you collapse on LeBron, it becomes unstoppable from the outside. Eight games, eight wins. If you're a betting man and you've been betting on the Cavs, you could probably buy a new house right now if you were putting up big bucks. And it's so predictable to the point where it's like hard to watch if you're an NBA fan. And guess what? LeBron is having dominant playoff performances, but more importantly, dominant series to the point where they can rest while the Wizards and Celtics duke it out for probably seven games in that series at two. They can rest while the Rockets and Spurs duke it out in what could be a seven-game series. And they'll join the Warriors in that time of resting. But he... Every playoff round, every playoff year, he goes deep. Six, what is it, seven straight NBA Finals appearances when it happens this year. Michael didn't have that. Michael had first-round exits when he was with the Bulls. He had a first-round exit. There were times where the Bulls were eliminated. LeBron gets to the Finals every year. He has the Eastern Conference wrapped around his fingers. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole Eastern Conference in his hands. He could put Isaiah Thomas on his finger, not just because he's short, and just twist him around like he's on the Harlem Globetrotters. It's unheard of what he's doing in terms of the dominance. And you could say, oh, he's lost in the finals before. The guy made the finals. Making it to the finals every year says something about you. It means you can't be stopped. Kyle Lowry's like, I can't take it anymore. I need to go. He's scared. Kyle Lowry is scared of LeBron James. You don't think DeMar DeRozan is scared? He said, I'll pay someone to help me cover him. I mean, he's offering money to help you, to help him help cover him. And he can't. He can't do it. Can't play with him. Can't coach with him. Can't do it. In the words of Mike Singletary. Winning a title this year will officially make LeBron James a better basketball player overall than Michael Jordan. And that's putting the errors aside. Now, people want to argue the errors, but teams are better. There's more competition. There was a little bit more parity, maybe, when Michael Jordan played. We had actual rivalries. Now we're trying to form Wizards-Celtics, call that a rivalry because the fighting's gone on. And, hey, that series has been great. Not talking about that series has been awesome. That's been a good series to watch. Rockets-Spurs have been a pretty good series to watch. But the rest, the Cavs series sucked for nothing. Warriors sucked for nothing. They made they made slight work of the Jazz. The Cavs made slight work of the Toronto Raptors. They looked like they were in different stratospheres. And we're in an era now where players want to team up to beat one man, LeBron James. No matter what team he is on, it's to beat one man, LeBron James. 
And if that's not the king of the game, if that's not the king of the sport, then I don't know who is. And I've said about him the whole resting resting and during the regular season is ridiculous and I don't think it's necessary. But it comes to a point where it's like, who cares anymore? The guy just comes out in the final in the playoffs and the finals and just deteriorates any team that thought they had a shot. And for all you fools that wrote the storyline of, oh, they had a struggling regular season. They were the two seed. I don't know. I think the Raptors could beat them. I had people saying that the Raptors would beat the freaking Cavs. Are you kidding me? And people next round are going to say, oh, I think the Wizards or the Celtics are going to bring uh, quite the matchup to them. Will that go more than four games? God, I hope. So. I sure hope so. For the NBA's sake, for ratings' sake, you sure hope it goes more than four. But the Boston Celtics and Washington Wizards are not being the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Wizards have had spurts. They went on that 26-0 run last game. John Wall, just wizardry, just speeding up and down the court behind his back. I mean, it was just like uh, I was watching the Globetrotters. But they are not being beat. Get it in your minds. The Cavs won't be beat, and the Warriors almost likely won't be beat. I can't say the same for the Warriors because I think the Rockets are scary good right now. Offensively, they could just put up so many points. But with Kevin Durant playing the way he is and now healthy, and I said this coming to the playoffs, if Kevin Durant's healthy, the Warriors aren't losing. So if he does stay healthy, the Warriors won't lose. Now that series will be great if it happens. And if it happens with the Spurs, it'll still be good. Without Tony Parker, it'll be good. But these two teams are just ready to go at it. They're already – Draymond and Steph are laughing. They've been watching tape. And Chris Haynes said it on ESPN last night. He said the Warriors watch the Cavs during the regular season on their TVs in the locker room. And the Cavs watch the Warriors. The Warriors play late. The Cavs will watch the Warriors. They say, let's scout this team for June. Because it's coming. The inevitable's coming. There's the good side of that of, hey, we're off to another great NBA Finals. There's the bad side of, God, this is so predictable. I mean, I'm trying to think of an analogy of how predictable this has become. It's just so predictable. And you know what? It took me till really this playoffs to say... You can argue that he's the best. And I think we're approaching that territory. And I, I think the Cavs, they got a sh- really good shot to win it all. I think they got a shot to be the Warriors. I, I think that's going to be a seven-game series again. But they really got a shot. And they're not going to be down 3-1 this time. I think this is going to go 2-2, 3-2, 3-3. It's going to come down to, down to a shot in game seven. And Kyle Lowry, stop it. What has Kyle Lowry done with the Raptors? He's been with this team since 2012. And the Raptors made one conference finals. 2012, they missed the playoffs. Or 2013, I'll say, they missed the playoffs. 2014, they lost in the first round of the Nets. 2015, their ass was swept by the Wizards. 2016, they made the conference finals and lost to none other than the King. And then this year, their ass was swept in the second round. Kyle Lowry, overrated. And he's going to go to the West Coast and probably a team like maybe the Utah Jazz could use him at point guard. 
They could probably use him if they do keep Gordon Hayward, although he'll be a free agent. But Kyle Lowry's going to go west. And if Chris Paul leaves the Clippers, I'm sure he wants to go to Hollywood. He wants to escape playing LeBron. He wants a chance to maybe go to the finals. And everyone's leaving because they're afraid of the guy. Kyle Lowry's done nothing. He hasn't taken the Raptors to the promised land. Before he came to Toronto, he was a 10-point-per-game guard. Now he's gotten progressively better each year. I mean, you look at his numbers, and each year he's improved. But what is Kyle Lowry? He's a very good point guard who will probably get max money, who will never take a team to the NBA Finals. So Kyle Lowry, go leave. Go bolt Toronto. They won't care. The Raptors will return to irrelevant. And so will every other team that goes up against him. This is the Jake Brown Show. You can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and listen on play.it slash Jake Brown. We got a little more to get into, but we're at the midway point of the program before we get to Jim Duquette and a couple other things. We will toss it to my my buddy. We got a lot to get into in the world of sports. And to do that, we will toss it to none other than Chris Buckley with a buck day. Hit me, Buck. All right, well, thanks, Jake. And, of course, every basketball fan knows that since Kevin Durant left the Oklahoma City Thunder for the Golden State Warriors last offseason, he and old pal Russell Westbrook have not been very friendly. Well, according to the pair's former teammate Kendrick Perkins, Westbrook and KD are, in fact, back on speaking terms. Perkins revealed the news on Monday night on the TNT show Area 21, saying he was the middleman between the two reconnecting, which eventually led to a phone call after Westbrook broke the triple-double record in mid-April. Perkins even saying he could see Durant returning to OKC in the future. Staying in the NBA with players past. Shaq the Sheriff? It could be. NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal recently telling an Atlanta TV station he plans to run for a sheriff's position. He hasn't revealed where just yet, but says he would be running in the year 2020. Shaq has residencies in Florida and Georgia and says that his motivation is not political, but it's something he's always wanted to do. He also says he wants to bring back respect for police and authorities, quote, like when he was coming up. Finally, in the NHL. Playoff action continues. The Penguins and Capitals will play a Game 7 after a huge road win for the Caps in Game 6 on Monday night, a 5-2 final there. And the New York Rangers play the Ottawa Senators in Game 6 at the Garden tonight here in New York City. Blue shirts down 3-2 in the series. I'm Chris Buckley, and that was your Buck Day. Thank you, Buck. And, um... What do you think? The Rangers take it to Game 7? I think they'll win it in the Garden. Most likely. I mean, you know, this is coming from an Isles fan, so you know what I would like to see. But uh, they're the kind of team that, you know, every year it seems like they fight till the very, very last game, to the last shot, whatever it is. And, you know, uh, Henrik Lundqvist had an uncharacteristically, I would say, for him a poor year overall in terms of numbers. And I think a lot of fans got frustrated uh, with him after a while. But uh, anytime you have him out there in a high-pressure situation. He usually finds a way to deliver, and especially being at home in front of that crowd tonight is going to be absolutely insane. I, I would say they, they do force a game. And how yeah. about the Penguins? I mean, yeah. just on their way Th- that score, to another collapse. That was a 5 nothing game, mind you. That game uh, at the Igloo was a 5 nothing Caps lead late in the third period, and then Pittsburgh found a way to, at the very last moment, the final few minutes, knock in two goals past Braden Holtby. That was a blowout. Don't Maybe that even... inspires them going into Game 7 here. And I, I say choke, but it's really the other way around. Usually yeah. the Capitals are the team to do this. Yes. Now the Capitals, yes. 
all the momentum's on their side. They're going to Game Seven, yeah. where that place is going to be rocking in yeah. DC. Um, I would say, yeah, that would be a major, major letdown for Pittsburgh it, if they were to not win Game Seven. Well, now yes. I, I would say it's like all hands are the Capitals. This would be the Capitals' yeah. time to choke is when they lose at home in a Game Seven. It would be. So you would think the Capitals being Capitals that they lose that this they Game lose. Seven. I think they'll win. I think now all the momentum's on their side. And that place, I mean, if they can't get energy from that building, just the raucous atmosphere that's going to be there, I don't know if they have a blood pressure. They're honestly, you're, you'd have a hard time finding, if you're a hockey fan and you know, game sevens in playoff hockey in any round. It doesn't matter if it's the Stanley Cup or if it's you know one of these conference rounds, divisional rounds, whatever it is. It is intense. It is absolutely intense. And the players, they feed off that energy. It goes both ways. The fans love it. It's really exciting. Just sports to watch. I mean, in general, even if you're not a hockey fan, it's exciting. That is Chris Buckley with a buck day. Good job, Buck. The former uh, Islanders update anchor with yeah. WRHU. Before roll we pride. get, we roll pride, baby. Before we get to Jim Duquette, who will be on the program, we're going to do a new segment called let it go pat hit me let it go let it go and the first let it go this week shout out to Adina Manzel um no relation to Johnny uh the first <laughs> first let it go this week we have is Ray Allen and the Celtics and the 2008 Celtics had a reunion Monday night with Kevin Garnett so Kevin Garnett, basing on his Area 21 thing he does, had Paul Pierce, Kendrick Perkins. Uh, well, that's where the and, KD uh, Westbrook news came from. Yep, and Rajon Rondo. He had his old guys there in the room. They sit down and basically let out why they're not happy with Ray Allen. And they said, you know what? He went to Miami. He went to join the Boston Celtics. Uh, he went to join the Miami Heat, excuse me, and LeBron James, the Miami Heat, ever since he left Boston. In 2011. Now, there's a couple of ways you can look at this whole story. And I had to add this to the show because after they said, hey, it's kind of on him to reach out. We're not going to reach out to him. We haven't talked to him in years. It's on him to say that was a brotherhood. That was a team where we're all one. We won a championship together. Um, and look, these guys are still together years later. Rajon's Chicago. Garnett's retired. Pierce went to L.A. Perkins all over the place. And Big Baby Dave is there. I didn't even mention him because he hasn't been relevant because he's been in the league. Um, these all guys united together because it was a brotherhood. And that team was looked at as a brotherhood. And Ray Allen was part of that. And while they had some trouble and Ray was was mad at Doc because Brad, Brad, uh, Avery Bradley got some more playing time than he did. And Ray Allen and Rajon Rondo clashed a little bit. I think that was a team that will always be remembered and one that Ray Allen was a big part of, a guy who made huge shots in the playoff run, who made huge shots in the finals. He was a pivotal member of that team. And the way he left, they're not happy with. And they have all right to not be happy with him. He left, didn't even tell them. He went to kind of the evil empire. And last night they made it clear. They said, hey, if he had went to the Heat, and he said to us, guys, I love you guys. You guys are my brothers. If he had a compassionate phone call with them, if he met with them, took them out on a, on a banana boat, Dwayne Wade, LeBron style. <laughs> um, if he just said, hey, guys, I love this, but I think I'm going to take this opportunity with Miami. 
whatever. They gave me good money. I think I could win another title here. Um, I want to stay friends with you guys. We're brothers. Boom. They said we'd be good. But because of how Ray Allen handled it, 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 it's a bloodbath. And I'm saying let it go because Ray Allen has got to let it go and apologize because then this morning after he watched, obviously, as it went viral, what happened last night as the the reunion happened on national TV, he posted a picture of Facebook of him in a heat uniform with his basically elbow and his arm over Rajon Rondo in a Celtics uniform, kind of like, screw you, Rajon, with the caption, the power to push limits. This is petty. Rayon has got to let it go. Now, you could say the same for the Celtics. They have to let it go. Let it go, let it go. But I think Rayon just has to make a phone call and say, you know, I love you guys. We were brothers. But maybe in his mind he thinks otherwise. Maybe his what's going through his mind is that, hey, I don't like you guys. I did not like Rajon Rondo. I had a fall. I didn't like Doc Rivers playing Avery Bradley over my future Hall of Fame numbers. And I wasn't a fan of how it ended. But Rayon needs to come out and tell everyone what, what the issue is. Because this is like the most petty, childish thing that is now it's turned into. And I'm on the side of Ray Allen needs to make the call versus the Celtics need to let it go. Mm. You know what? They're all great. Paul Pierce can make the Hall of Fame. Kevin Garnett's going to make the Hall of Fame. Rondo and Perkins, probably not. But Ray Allen has to say, sorry, guys, how it ended. Let's kiss and make up. To post what he did on Facebook is just childish today. I mean, he's he's trying to become the winner in this. He's trying to sit, have the last word. It's like when you're arguing with your parents and you want to get the last word in your your significant other. You're like, oh, I'm right. I'm right. No, I'm right. And Ray Allen's trying to get the last word, posting a picture, basically elbowing the back of Rajon Rondo. Clearly saying, I don't like Rajon Rondo. And maybe that's that's the point of this. He That's the one guy he's focused on and he puts them all in one. But it got ugly. So... Ray Allen, you got to, man. You got to. Ray Allen has got to let it go. Now, number two for our Let It Go segment. Pat, hit me again with that. Number two is a non-sports angle here. Mm. And it's American Idol. What are you doing here? Continuing. Now, they left Fox and it's over. Yes, thank God. Now, listen. I used to love American Idol. I went Me to too. see the, the American Idol tour in concert Me too. in Connecticut when the Ruben stuff. I mean, Ruben was my wow. guy. Ruben was my dude. That's a throwback. And he wore the 205 jersey. Uh, because and my birthday is 205, February 5th. So I loved him for that. Like the two, That was his area code, I think, in Birmingham or whatever. And it had its run. It had some good years. I had Taylor Hicks. You had Kimberly Locke. You had Jordan Sparks. You had those are the Jennifer names, Hudson. Those are the names you're going to mention. Taylor Hicks is the first name. I love Taylor Hicks because he was old. old I loved him too. He was one I, of my favorite. Oh, listen, Kelly Clarkson, Justin Gurney. The list goes Carrie on. Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood, of course. <laughs> and four wheel drive. That's my karaoke anthem. I'm just saying, you know, big names. I mean, but for American Daughtry. Idol to just continue, Daughtry um, didn't win, but who might be there. on the show at some point. Um, for for them to be like, let's go to ABC. First off, how do you still have singers? We're like, 
people are just coming out of the woodworks. I mean, I guess people get older and they can enter, but it's like, how many singers do we have in the nation? Like, I, I'm just like, how many people are that world talent who haven't yet been discovered that they need to make all these American Idol seasons? It was over after Fox. Enough is enough. Fifteen seasons wasn't enough. Fifteen? That you had to add another one? How, like, how do people still watch it? Well, the ratings went significantly down. Well, I can't as imagine the they'll be on. that good on ABC. I can't imagine, oh, let's let's go to a new network and see if that brings it back to life. And I, Ryan Seacrest apparently might host it again. Uh, well, I would say this. If he does host, the it will be probably – a good amount of people will watch it at least in the first season. That would help it. That would be a big boost. I just don't get the how they're still singers. Where, like, these people are just popping out. Oh, hey, I wasn't around for the first 15. Let me come out for 16. I mean, it's, oh, I missed my chance. Let me come. Now, hey, maybe they'll find another great talent. But, guys, I can't tell you who's won the last – Four or yeah. five seasons. I really can't. Uh, if I go through the list, I could tell you season one. Of course, I know. I, and, and some of them, the second and third place winners are better. But Kelly Clarkson, we know. Adam Lambert. Season two, Ruben Stuttered, who be- start, started becoming relevant, but was an incredible singer. Three, Fantasia Barino, we know. Mm-hmm. Four, Carrie Underwood, amazing. Taylor Hicks, I told you, I love. Dancing in the Streets. Um, Dancing in the Streets. Jordan Sparks, season six, I know. And then after that is when it starts to decline. David Cook. Don't really know. Chris was, Allen. Well, that was the year that he beat Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert is singing for Queen. Yeah, he he now. became big, and again, second place people became bigger. Lee DeWise, like yeah. Scott McCreary. Scotty McCreary. All right, he Philip Phillips. Those two are those two are relatively popular. Candace so. Glover. Don't even yeah, know who she is. After that, I kind of uh, Caleb Johnson, Nick Frondiandi. I don't even know these people. Now, if you won Idol, you should be – I should know you. And then 15 was Trent Harmon. Who are these mo- people? So let it go, American Idol. End the show. Time's up. You went 15 seasons. Make it – I mean, I like even numbers. 15 to me is kind of an even number because it's like 5, 10, 15. It's not technically an even number, but 16 just sounds weird. It's like, oh, let's add another one. Now, how many more will it go? If you're going to do it, just do five more, get to 20, call quits. But this doesn't deny the impact that the show had culturally. Oh, it had a big business. impact. I, I mean, mean, this is a Some of them became movie stars, too. And Broadway, Jennifer Hudson was on Broadway. And listen, Dream Girls is a classic. I own the Dream Girls soundtrack. Not even afraid to admit. A classic soundtrack. Jennifer Hudson is a legend. Ruben, I love. But there's a time and a place. Yeah. So American Idol... This is the Jake Brown Show. CBS Radio's played on iTunes, Spotify. You heard the buck date. You heard me go off on Matt Harvey. You heard me talk LeBron becoming the greatest player ever, especially if he wins a title here. As the as much as I've criticized him for sitting out regular season games, he's really transcended the entire sport where every player in the league wants to beat him, and they just can't. It's like when you're trying to go for the hottest girl on the face of the planet and you just have no shot no matter what you do. No matter how hot you are, you can't get her. So that's that's what uh, LeBron has done. Coming up next on the Jake Brown Show on Planet iTunes and Spotify, the former Mets and Orioles GM Jim Duquette is going to join us to talk about 
the Matt Harvey, the Noah Syndergaard situation. What's going on with the Mets? We'll talk with a former GM about that. That will wrap up today's show. Thanks to Pat Antonetti for running the board. Thanks to Chris Buckley for bringing the heat on the buck date. Um, we'll have a lot more coming up. Make sure you check out the Keith Van Horn interview if you missed it. Really good interview. That dropped on Monday. Check that out. When you subscribe on Apple Podcast now in the podcast section of your iPhone, make sure you rate us if you do it on there on the computer five stars and write a review and follow on Spotify and Jake Brown Radio Jake Brown Show. Thanks everybody for listening have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you next week. Here comes Jim Duquette right here on the Jake Brown Show. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech entertainment and more. Play it at play.it and welcome back to the Jake Brown Show on CBS Radio's Play Dot It Network, iTunes, Spotify, and follow us on social media at Jake Brown Radio and Jake Brown Show. We are talking Mets, of course. I talked Harvey early in the show, and who better to talk to with former Mets and Orioles GM? You catch him on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM eighty nine and Sirius two hundred nine. Uh, Jim Duquette on the line. Jim, what's going on? Jake, what's going on? Thanks. It's uh, it's always an interesting conversation about the Mets these days, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, every year there's something new, and it was a week ago I started the show talking Syndergaard, and now it's Matt Harvey. Um, I mean, what do you make of the situation here? First off, does Harvey – did he make a mistake here in the first place filing the grievance? Shouldn't he have just come back to the clubhouse today and apologize and try and move on from this? Yeah, well, listen, I, I think – uh, he did make a mistake in filing a grievance. I, I do think, though, from from you know his perspective, it's what the union's for. It's what his agent is there for. I think they're there to protect him. And uh, you know, you don't see a lot of three day, three game suspensions without pay. And I think uh, you know that's a part of it too. Um, is is uh, you know you're a lot of times filing these uh, grievances with the thought that a you don't think it's fair and be the guy that comes after you also you want to make sure that uh you know that um you know there's no precedent setting here so i think there's a couple factors there but to me it's it's more semantics in that sense i mean it's clearly clearly there's some things that went on there i guess he's going to certainly give his side of things but i also think there's a risk there of uh of more information getting out that that looks you know it makes him look even worse and, and possibly the organization too what do the Mets do here with her? I mean, is this the final point where you say, you know what, after this season, there's a zero percent, excuse me, zero percent chance uh, that this guy comes back? Do you have to not bring him back now? You know, to me, it's fascinating because it's hard to find talent like Matt Harvey too. You know, and I know he hasn't pitched the way the organization has hoped, but but I do think that. There's a middle ground here. I think you know on both sides. I think there's. Hey, listen, Harvey. You know, quite frankly, may want to leave. Also, the organizations. I'm sure are frustrated. You know, there's no, there's no. Listen, there's no doubt they don't go through this uh, without showing a level of frustration. I think the likely ending is that he's he's traded. Um, but you don't just give give away talent either. And, and I think the difficult part of it is if Harvey doesn't pitch well, and then you do have some of this, and I'll, I'll call it baggage, is stuff that's gone on off the field. It becomes hard to get much form, too. So the teams that are acquiring him, 
uh, aren't willing to give up much in return. So I, I think there's there's some definite issues here moving forward. Uh, you hope that it ends better, uh, but I'm not you know I'm not convinced that it is going to uh, change matters in the sense that it, I, I'd be surprised if he's back with the team next year. Yeah, and I think his value right now is just so low. Where I mean, all they're going to get for him is a minor leaguer at this point, with the way he's pitching, and he's really. And I I said this, he he's living a frappuccino lifestyle, but pitching like a small cup of McDonald's coffee at this point. And uh, right, right. The, the off the field stuff has become too much. And hey, you were a GM in New York, you know. There's heavy scrutiny with every move, with every trade you made. There's there's all this scrutiny behind you in New York. Do you think it's kind of gotten to the point where he's had so much spotlight on him he the only way he could handle is maybe going out and partying and living that lifestyle you know that part of it that part of it is you know i think uh you know when you're you're part of the new york scene you know there there is an expectation level that you should you have to pitch or play or you know whatever sport it is you play at a high level if you have that kind of ability and talent and then and then a lot of those, you know, you basically take care of those those type of things on the field, and then the other things off the field kind of take care of themselves. There's freedom to, you know, in picking the right spots to do certain things, to to go out and have fun, to have have a you know fun lifestyle. I mean, he is he, he is young. He's he's uh, you know he's single. He's you know there are some things that you uh, can be allowed to do, but but it's all kind of within the context of of the the team too, and, and not looking uh, or appearing like you're you're selfish or or uh, that you're, uh, you know, running so often that's affecting your play on the field. I think those are the things that you, I was always worried about uh, with our players, our young players in particular. We tried to educate them as best we could, um, and you always had a player or two over the course of listen over the course of the Mets, over the course of the Yankees history that you've seen. And, you know, Dwight Gooden's been clearly out there in front on some of these things. Daryl Strawberry in the past. And so you're always, we always had that kind of, you know, I, I overlapped a little bit when I was in the minor leagues when they were playing and pitching at the major league level. So that was always there, you know, and it was always kind of, all right, we got to make sure that um, you know, we educate our guys uh, about some of the issues of, you know, the tra- entrapments, so to speak, of New York. So, you know, that part of it, um, I don't know if it's too much for, for um, you know, Matt in this sense. I think the organization certainly is uh, frustrated in that sense. Um, and I, I'm not so sure that you know Matt feels like he did an awful lot wrong. That's that's where I think the conflict comes from. And, and Jim, I mean, this is like this is something in college. It's post Cinco de Mayo. You don't go to class the next day. This is the major leagues, and you're making <laughs> right, five million dollars. Right. Hey, I'm victim of getting drunk and missing class, or you, you miss work for your job. You use a sick day. But this is the major leagues. You're making more money than 97, 98 percent of America, maybe even higher right. than that. There's no right. excuse that you have a freaking migraine when there's medication called Aleve, there's medication called Tylenol, <laughs> and there's things right. you could take to get rid of that. I mean, this, I, the fact that he would even file a grievance, you need to come back apologize, bring right. back the fire of 2015 Matt Harvey and show the Mets fan base that you made a mistake because he has shown nothing to that level in these last couple of days. Certainly it's hard to defend, right? I mean, I, and I don't think anyone, uh, you know, it really, if, whether, you're, whether you're a fan or you're you know, in a front office like I was, like you can sit there and, and kind of understand it. And I, I think most players don't understand it, but, if, you know, if that's, you know, the way this has all gone down, I think the other aspect that, that um, you know, when you look at it, you, you, back in the day, there were a lot of players that were, would, uh, you know, go out, let's say, you know, and, and have to answer the bell, so to speak, the next day, show up to the ballpark, um, 
And they did, and they and they answered the bell. And you know what? They 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 got themselves to the ballpark, even if even if they weren't feeling well. And that's the other that's the other thing that uh, it's kind of hard to imagine is he missed a day of work, um, you know, because of because of this whole issue. So, um, and then tried to come up with some excuses, and you know, found out that maybe he wasn't telling everybody the whole truth. So, you know, did he go out and play golf after being out, you know, till four in the morning? I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to know, but. Regardless of the fact is that uh, you know it certainly played a part in him not showing up to the ballpark. His 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 off the field uh, antics at night. Yeah, I mean we could say cough cough Doc, cough cough Daryl, cough cough Lenny Dykes are all guys who were out there. Uh, Lawrence yeah. Taylor. If we look at the New York Giants, I mean there's guys who went out there and performed. A five ERA is not performing. So if he was That's maybe right. dominating, maybe he gets away with this. But the way he's pitched. This season and last season, um, just don't speak to that. Jim Duquette's on the Jake Brown Show. Follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore Duquette, Sirius XM, MLB Network Radio. And then Noah Syndergaard, I mean, a week ago. It's these guys, they've become so larger than life, and the spotlight becomes too big. And Thor, I mean, it's inexcusable turning down an MRI. And you as a front office guy, I'm, I'm – I'm curious your opinion of should yeah. the Mets have just gone through with him, push him, and, and kind of not threaten him, but say, "Hey, we're making you take this MRI." Well, I, I do think that you know you have the ability of hindsight. I, I said this at the time. I, th- I find it hard to believe if you sat down and had a had a uh, a an ex- uh, description. You had a conversation with Noah about uh, the merits of why you were sent, putting him in the tube. Uh, that that he would have continued to say no, you know, and I don't I don't know, you know, how much conversation. I think that part of this uh, was, uh, you know, that that uh, you, you a lot of times when you're making a diagnosis, you're going off with a player. If he's just completely adamant about not going to to uh, to get a picture, you know, it's it's uh, you know like the person who doesn't want to go to see the doctor, it's hard to shove him there or point him in that direction. But you do hold. The one aspect that Noah wants more than anything, and that is to go on the mound and pitch. And so you could have held the ball uh, from him until he was going to get the MRI. Mm-hmm. So I think that those are some of the things that, um, you know, I think the Mets would like to have back in this sense. Uh, but they're also kind of playing, uh, giving the benefit of the doubt to Noah Syndergaard in this situation. So I think more, more than, you know, the organization certainly is taking their blame on this. I think Noah probably. Uh, uh, is another guy that should be blamed in this one, too. Yeah, listen, no, get the MRI. I've got my back wax. That stuff hurts. An MRI does not hurt. So, uh, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not even in the same area code. Have you, these two stories that have come out with Thor and, uh, or I'm going to call him Noah now because he doesn't deserve that title, Thor, with what, with what he did. And Harvey, have has anything similar happened when you were a GM where um, a guy maybe was too larger than life or turned down an MRI? Have you had any similar situation? I can't. I can't think of a guy that that um, that turned turned down an MRI. In fact, most of the time, uh, you know, my involvement in this and that, listen, I've been following uh, these type of things for almost twenty five years. You know, just uh, uh, my experience and and no, obviously, current general managers and my cousin is one right now. Most of the time, you have the player asking for the for the MRI, and the player and the team is like. Are you sure you need one? I don't know if you need one. Like it's usually the player asking for it, not the other way around, you know. And and you know, a team might or might not uh, decide to do it. Uh, sometimes you don't feel like they need it uh, because you didn't know that the symptoms were that bad. So, so I think that that's the thing that really surprised me. And and I have not experienced that. I don't think. I think most general managers, profit executives, um, you know, they're they're in that res- that reverse situation. 
And they're not quite sure why the guy would want an MRI. You know, they're hoping that he doesn't need an MRI rather than you know, basically asking them to take it, and the guy says no. Is it time, Jim, to panic with the Mets, or is it just say, hey, we added Tommy Malone, let's get Mats back, let's get Lugo, let's get Cespedes, let's get these guys healthy, or do the Mets have to go out there and make a couple additions to this roster? Well, I, I tell you, I, I wouldn't panic quite yet, but I will say this, give the, the team some, uh, some credit the way they've been playing here lately. Yeah. Now, you know, I think that's the that's the ultimate, can they continue it? And, and I think what you, you hope for in this type of situation, almost what you saw last year, certain guys step up and you keep the team, you know, relevant, keep the team close to 500 as, as best as you can, which is where they are right now, until you get healthy, until the reinforcements come and hope that it changes, uh, you know, and they go on a, a good little run. I mean, it's despite that eight-game losing streak, now they're, they've won, uh, you know, the last three series. They're hopeful to win this series coming up. Uh, yeah, with the, with the Giants. So I think there's a lot of things that are pointing in the right direction, at least right now. But you know, it, it certainly changes pretty quickly in baseball. So I, I do think I, I'm not I'm not sure Malone is the, well. I know Malone's not the long term answer, but I think uh, you know until they get uh, completely healthy and until they get Cespedes back, you can't really expect them to go on a deep or a big run. Last one for you, Jim. Is there something to be said here about the way the Mets have handled injuries? It seems like this team gets hurt more than anyone. I don't know if we point the finger at Ray Ramirez or what it is, but it just right. seems like they have so many more injuries than any other team, and it happens year after year. It's funny because you know, he, you know, part of the organization when we hired Ray, he, he's, a, he's a really good fan. He gets, he gets, he gets a lot of uh, uh, grief from the uh, fan bases. And I think, listen, doctors are involved with this too, trainers, uh, you know, and all these different uh, uh, these different uh, DL stints are. There's always a a different reason. They've had their share, though. Haven't they? Mets have had their share of oddities mm-hmm. along the way. I'm not sure. It's hard to know when you're not there exactly where the blame is. But it, you know, from the outside, it does look like you know from the medical side, they need they need some additional help there, or they they need to make a, a, a change. But um, you know, I think I think that part of it. When I look at some of the other injuries, it's funny because I've seen I've seen teams survive this uh, more injuries. Dodgers, Rangers, their teams that have more DL stints than the than the Mets this year and have over the years. It's just the oddity of it is what kind of stands out with the Mets here uh, over the past few years. Yeah, I mean, Ray Ramirez and Jay Horowitz have had their hands full uh, here in the in the month or two months of the season here so far. Jim Duquette, Sirius XM, MLB Network Radio, Jim underscore Duquette on Twitter. Jim, great talking to you, man. Appreciate you coming on the show, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on, Jake. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.